When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Much to get into. Uh, if we take a look at the games last night, I, I just want to mention this because it was a really a bone of contention for a lot of fans. And I thought TNT and, and Biz and Anson Carter really broke it down pretty well last night. You know, Felino with the knee on knee hit, he takes the Game Misconduct early in the game against the uh, Dallas Stars, leads to a power play goal, and then that was lights out. Stars win the game 4 nothing now, take a 3-2 series lead. They reviewed it, said that it was a major penalty, because that's what they do in the NHL now, is that if there's a penalty on a play, or if it's even called a major, they can go review just to see if it's uh, not reduced to non-penalty, just to be able to say, well, whether it's a penalty or whether it's going to be a major. I was surprised that they upheld the major. I thought it's a penalty, just like a stick. you got to kind of be in control of your body. But I didn't see intent to injure. I thought Biz broke it down well that you know the puck carrier is trying to it, it, not play it with a high stick, and he gloves it down, and he's on his backhand. And so when Felino initially went to make the hit, uh, the body moved after, kind of like what you see in football where you go to sack the quarterback and then the quarterback ducks, it ends up being a head-on-head shot, and then you get a penalty. Um, Kind of a situation here. When he committed to make the hit, the situation changed after he already had committed. Again, still a penalty because you have to be in control of the situation, but was it a major? And it certainly changed the complexion of the game. Now, only one goal was scored, and there's still plenty of time for the Wild to be able to adjust. They got shut out in the game, lost 4 nothing. So to sit here and say that this is the reason why the Wild lost the game, I'm not going to go as far as that. But it certainly set the tone for a big game five. And now Dallas goes to Minnesota with a chance to to end the wild season. Just I, I thought it was broken down pretty well. And penalties have certainly been a topic of conversation here. There have been a ton of them. The officials, in my opinion, have gotten a little too involved with calling of the penalties. I, I've been around the NHL for a long time. And they're very, very sensitive to any suggestion that there are edicts before the playoffs. We want to call more uh, high sticking. We want to call more roughing. We want to call more penalties in general. Or let's keep an eye on on a goaltender interference. Like there's always something that they want to kind of tighten up. Clearly, to me, the NHL sent out an edict that they want more penalties called, or at least be, keep an eye uh, on more penalties. And uh, just just the, the general feel. When you go to Game Two of the Devil Ranger series, they were kicking guys out left and right for really nothing. I mean, there was a fight, but you could see that exposure now is pretty high with the uh, addition of ABC and TNT and and the higher profile the NHL's on now. In my opinion, I think the league, and I haven't heard this from anybody, but just my opinion, I think the league wants to be on its best behavior because the, the games are being uh, viewed more and they're on a higher platform now than they were where there's going to be a lot of scrutiny if if things get ugly and i just feel like they the let them play sometimes amounts to 
things getting a little bit more rough and tumble, more fights, the players policing themselves, and that's when things can sometimes get out of hand. And, and for diehard hockey fans like us, we don't mind it. We've seen it before. But that's the one thing I think the league is kind of sensitive to. Do we really want a game on national television to have you know, a bunch of brawls, a bunch of ugliness at the end of the game? And power plays obviously lead to more goals and look at more offense. I mean, look at what's happening in Edmonton right now. If you give the Oilers a power play, you're, you're going to give up a goal. I mean, they're, they're clicking at almost 60% now. And a lot of these power plays have been so effective and you see the scores in these games, you know, 6-3 last night in Edmonton, the 4-2 victory for the Golden Knights the other night, you know, 5-4, Leafs beating uh, the Lightning. We're seeing a lot of offense. A lot of that is coming from more power plays and more skill. So uh, I just I, I just feel like the league, um, whether it's in writing or whether it's suggested, a little nudge-nudge, wink-wink, that, you know, let's, let's err on the side of calling penalties. But I just thought Felino got job there. I didn't think he deserved the major, deserved a penalty. And maybe maybe Minnesota gives up the goal anyway on the power play. But losing Felino for the game, that early having um, a, a player thrown out, especially of the skills of, of a Felino, uh, a little bit odd, but uh, definitely changed the complexion of the game. There's no question. So the Stars are in control. The Islanders are alive. I can't say well, but they're alive. They hold on for the 3-2 victory over Carolina. And I'll say this. This is an opportunity for the Islanders to get in the Hurricanes' heads. All right. Rod Brindamore has done a terrific job there in Carolina. But they are banged up. They do not have a history of going deep in the playoffs. You look what happened last year, not being able to win a road game. Blowing that series against the, the Rangers when they were up 2 nothing, losing all those games on the road, and then finally losing at home for the first time, and of all places, Game 7 when they had a chance to advance to the conference final. That's got to be in Carolina's head now. They had a chance at home to finish off the Islanders. They didn't do it. Now they've got to go back on the road, which has been a problem outside of the one win they have in over the last couple of years, and that, of course, was in Game 4 out on the island. But they have not been great on the road in these playoffs, and now you all of a sudden you get to a Game 7, and you can't tell me they won't be squeezing the sticks if they have to go to a Game 7, possibly facing elimination again early so the Islanders good on them they didn't score on the power play but more important they didn't allow a power play goal so they get the win they hold on and are alive and I picked the Islanders in seven and I'm going to stick with it because it'll be interesting to see what the psyche of this Hurricanes team is going to be moving forward Elias Sorokin with a signature performance as he goes out there and makes uh 34 saves for the win and we were just mentioning the Oilers and their power play two for three on the power play beat up on the Kings six to three in this one the usual suspects you Leon Dreisaitl you know with a big night but uh what I was impressed with was it wasn't always about those guys you know uh, Kulak pinches gets his first uh goal that made it 3-1 with less than six minutes to play in the first period Kempe comes back to make it 3-2 late in the first but then Bukestad Hyman, Bukestad again, all in the first five minutes of the third period, puts this game away. And the Kings now facing elimination as the Oilers lead that series uh, three games to two. Uh, let's go back to Monday and the Ranger-Devils series. And I, I am shocked. Or maybe shocked is too strong. Probably more surprised than, str- than shocked that this is going to be a six-game series, possibly a seven-game series. Not in the beginning. I thought this was going to be a seven-game series. I don't think anybody should be shocked as far as what you prognosticated for it to be 2-2. How we got here is shocking that nobody's been able to win a home game. And for the Rangers to be so dominant in the first two games only to see 
it now be an even series is mind-boggling to me. You know, where is Panarin? Where is Zibanejad? Where is this power play? If you go back to the end of game two, which I'm hesitant to do because the game was already over, but the Rangers did miss a couple of power plays late in that second game when it didn't matter. The game was already, you know, 4-1, 5-1 at the time of some of those power plays. But it's now a collective 0-11 since starting 4-7 for on the power play, 0-8 for at the Garden combined for games 3 and 4. And this is a team that lived off the power play early in the series, and now it's gone. Give the Devils credit. They've changed it. They've collapsed. They've done a great job of not giving the Rangers that lower crease where Kreider can get the deflections and you know give the Devils credit altogether. They've played much better defensively. I don't even really think it's Schmidt standing on his head. He hasn't. But clearly the goaltending changes got better play out of the Devils. They've been more responsibly defensively, and it's completely changed the series. And what I'd worry about if I'm a Ranger fan is eventually you would think the tide is going to turn and somebody's going to win a home game. And if it happens tomorrow in Jersey, the Rangers are going to be facing elimination and have to win two in a row. Now, can they do that? Of course they can. They're a very talented, skilled team with a tremendous goaltender. But it's still scary to think that the Rangers can go from winning the first two games by a combined 10-2 score and then to drop a couple of one-goal games um, is disturbing because... They, when the Devils have needed it, they've gotten it. You know, the Devils give up the goal. This is what I'll say about the Devils, too, that's kind of scary, is they've matured in front of our eyes to where they're not broken. I mean, when Trocek scores that goal early in the first period and the range, the Devils just could not get, after the Hughes breakaway goal, any insurance at all, a younger team, an inexperienced team, you know, could, could collapse under that. They're on the road. They just gave up the lead. And I was expecting the Rangers to be the better team, win that game, take the 3-1 leads, and and win the series. And for the Devils to be as responsible as they were, they come back seven minutes later, and of all people, Siegenthaler gets the goal. And then again, the Rangers get a power play. They can't get anything going. They don't get a shot on goal with the goaltender pull with a full two minutes left in regulation. Give the Devils credit. They are playing well defensively. And the Rangers are, too. It's not like the Devils are getting a ton of opportunities, but they're cashing in on those opportunities. So you can't freak if you're a Ranger fan. You lost a couple of games in a row. One was in overtime. The other one was on a third-period goal. Essentially one-goal games, taking away the Pallad empty netter at the end of Game 4. But now you're in a series again. And when it looked like you were going to take care of the Devils and finally win an early series quickly, and now with the opportunity of maybe Carolina and the Islanders going deep, Rangers maybe missed an opportunity of resting some players and getting prepared for a long run. Now they might be staring a six, seven game series in the face, even if they win it. Um, And it looks like Carolina might be going far too. Um, What the Rangers have to hope is, or even the Devils now at this point, win the next two games. The series would wrap up on Saturday. um, And then it's only be a day later than maybe Carolina wraps up with the Islanders because the Islanders and Carolina will not play again until Friday. And then you'll have kind of equal rest going into the second round. But uh, just a crazy series. I, I, I was asked by Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN New York on Saturday afternoon. I, I did a hit on his show. Would you be shocked if there was a game six? And I said, not shocked, but I would be surprised. And here, here we are. We're going to have a game six on Saturday at Madison Square Garden. The question is, who will have the lead? We'll find out tomorrow. I think a break for the Rangers. They get the extra day here. It's the first time in the series that it's more than just one day. They played Monday. Now they're going to play tomorrow on Thursday. And I think when you're a team that's making adjustments and a team that's lost a couple in a row, I think that extra day benefits the Rangers more than the Devils. So we'll see what happens uh, tomorrow. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Maple Leafs are right there. <laughs> They're up 3-1 in their series with the Lightning with that amazing overtime win. If it's anybody else, you'd say the series is over because they're up 3-1 and they came back from 4-1 down in the third period uh, to get it to overtime. They win in overtime on the power play goal uh, and, and and take care of business. Power play goal by Kerfoot. Uh, and it was, it was the right calls. It was the right penalty. So it wasn't like there was any controversy around that. But because it's the Leafs, are they just setting us up for another colossal disappointment? Can you believe they come back and they win game five, down 4-1, and they up three games to one, I mean, winning game four, and they blow a 3-1 series lead? That's what people are talking about with Toronto because that's kind of what they've done over the last two decades, right? Just set themselves up for a worse defeat. But I picked them. The Lightning, to me, just look like a team that is highly skilled, and they're not going to go quietly into that good night, but you kind of saw in that third period, Toronto's just better. If they can get over the psyche of just not being able to win series in recent years and get over that old specter, they're the better team. And Tampa is, listen, they put together a tremendous run here, and it looks like the run's going to come to an end, but because it's the Leafs, People are still going to be very skeptical on whether they can indeed uh, get the job done. So we'll find that out later in the week as well as that series is going to take uh, two off. Um, Jets are going to be looking back uh, at that overtime loss and say that was their chance to maybe win this series. They come back from 4-1 down uh, back in, in Game 3 only to lose in overtime on the Amadio goal, and they end up losing back on Monday 4-2. to Golden Knights have been good on the road all year, as we've mentioned, and they were just a better team in the second period. That's when it all kind of turned on them as goals by Carlson, Barbashev, make it a two-goal game. Dubois scores early in the third period, but they just couldn't get anything done. And then Howden, with a couple of goals in the game, including the empty netter, wins it there. Uh, And listen, you probably heard the expansion of Anthony Pusick's chest on Monday as the Seattle Kraken, and now even the series with the Avalanche, had two games apiece. And, you know, you can say all you want about Georgiev. He's facing 43 shots. Now, and now McCann's out, and he's going to be done for the rest of the series, but it comes to the expense of McCarr being suspended here uh, because of the hit for Game 5. So you lose the, maybe the best defenseman on the planet, and the Avalanche in a 2-2 tie with Seattle. They've already proven they can win in Colorado. So the door is open for the upset. And if the Kraken can find a way to take advantage of McCarr's absence and win on the road and take a 3-2 series lead with a chance to wrap it up at home in Seattle, I still think Colorado's going to win this series. But good on the Kraken. They've really showed that it's no fluke. They've won at home. They've won on the road. It's the one series that really hasn't relied too much on special teams here, which kind of tells you that Seattle's played a mano a mano. They have. Grubauer has been good, not great. Georgiev has been good, not great. Uh, it's been a very even, cool, fun series series to watch and it's really now it's a best of three and the defending Stanley Cup champions uh, are really up against it against uh, a second year franchise in Seattle so that's actually pretty cool it's been fun to watch and we'll see what happens tonight 9:30, Seattle and Colorado from uh, the ball center and then at seven o'clock the Bruins have a chance to advance up 3-1 on the Florida Panthers we talked about this on Monday 
real opportunity for the Panthers to to win this series with Bergeron being out. They dropped those two games in Florida after winning in Boston in Game 2. The Bruins are just the better team, and uh, we'll take a look and see what Bergeron's status is going to be. EJ had suggested maybe that you rest Bergeron if you're up 3-1, but I just think you want to finish this off. It's really working out well for the Bruins, right? Um, because Toronto might finish off Tampa early, and then Boston could end up winning the series quicker and get a little bit of a rest here. And if Tampa finds their way to fight back, then maybe they get even more rest to get Bergeron and Allmark healthy and everybody else that's probably banged up after a long season. And maybe uh, if Toronto does come out of it, they got to go a few more games than Boston does if Tampa can win tomorrow. But the point is, it's really set up nice for the Bruins here to get through a quick series despite their injuries, rest up a little bit, and then uh, go for the cup run, which they're fully expecting to do. That will be the 7 o'clock start. Now, we mentioned we'd be social today, so let's hear from you. At Don LeGrec, hashtag game misconduct is always the way to be able to get in touch with me. So let's see. Um, I, I got this a lot, so I'm going to start with this. Brian Park says... Um, Submitted for debate, NHL TV broadcasts have gotten uh, got to get rid of the moving CGI ads during play. Wildly distracting. Do you find it distracting, Anthony? I mean, I know they're there, and it's kind of weird, but I can't say it's really affected me watching the game. So I've so I've I've seen this too, Don, and I'll have to say no. Um, the only time it was distracting for me, and I forget what game it was, one of the ads wasn't working, so it was just all blacked out. Um, along the boards in one of the in one of the offensive zones, that was kind of distracting, but it really doesn't bother me. Uh, I'm I'm focusing on the puck. I'm focusing on players. Um, but look, it's it's obviously not for everybody, and the NHL is doing it for a reason uh, for advertising. Um, it really, to me, is not changing the way I view the broadcast. Yeah, um, I, I know sometimes people are a little distracted by you know the identification of players. Listen, the NHL is toying with trying to make the game easier to view on television. And some of the complaints is, you know, where's the puck? I mean, identifying the players and all that. But, but you know uh, what, Don? This is the same conversation we have on the K Show about the new rules for baseball. They're not for you. Not for me, and they're not for you. We know who the players are. Yeah. But if you're trying to get somebody on Channel 7 to stick around and go, oh, I've heard of this McDavid character. What's his number? Oh, wait, yeah. there he is. He's Where on the power is he? I want to see him. Right, yeah, because they're, they're not, like basketball, you don't have helmets on, right? So... Yeah, and, the, and and the camera's a lot closer to the court, so you can kind of identify the players a little easier. But but even what he's talking about, the CGI of, of the, the ads on the boards, and I'm like, I, I honestly, I don't find that. The ads would be there anyway. Exactly. They're just different ads, um, taking advantage of things locally and, and changing what's on, what people see actually physically at the arena. But um, if you find it distract, distracting, I'm not going to disagree with you. I mean, I've you noticed, find it distracting, I don't. What's your thought of the camera angles? Um, to me, in the back, it, being in the business and where I am on the production side, I see what they're attempting to do, but I can see how it's jarring to a fan who's watched hockey a certain way for so long and only is used to those types of views on replays. Um, I don't know. What do you think about it? I don't like the um, the shot behind the net. The goal fletch? Yeah. Um, when, um, when the team's on the power play, because then you can't identify who's at the point. Like, I can because I know the, the players and, and the power play units, but the, the average fan's not going to know all that stuff. And then the game is too quick. So when you try to get cute by you know showing a scrum in the corner with the player's faces against the glass, you might miss the, um, the pass out of that scrum that leads to a goal. I, I just... 
I, I think it's great to be able to find different angles, but save it for replay because the, the game to me is just too quick sometimes to get cute and you don't want to miss things. Part of, the ne- part of the negativity of a television broadcast as opposed to seeing the game on the ice anyway is the camera's limited where it can go, even with the tradition traditional um, um, shots where sometimes you don't see the player coming into the screen on rushes and all that. So when you start getting cute and go non-traditional, it makes it sometimes even harder to be able to follow the puck and follow the play and who's on the ice and all that. So I understand directors want to get uh, creative and make it more fun to watch, but sometimes that gets overly distracting as well. Uh, I knew this was going to come, and um, I'm sure it's going to come until they advance out of this round, but Nicholas says, I don't know if they will win this series, but I expect a big effort from uh, the Rangers on Thursday um, after the disaster, um, Gallant calling out the um, the players. Um, and that was something. Uh, it, it was where he just like, it's either lazy or tired. He was really, the, Gerard Gallant is a very, very positive person. There have been times where I'm like, oh, he's going to kill this team. And he errs on the side of positivity. When he gets negative, he's down on the team. And he certainly was down on the team which then leads to the conversation that we usually get, and Jeff brings it up. If the Rangers blow this series, does Dolan order Drury to get rid of Gallant and hire Peter Laviolette? I don't know if Peter Laviolette would be on his radar, even though Laviolette played for the Rangers like a billion years ago. I, I, I've been back and forth on this. This was such a big year for the Rangers. And, you know, that Dolan letter has been a rousing success. They told their fans, we're going to rebuild. We're going to do it on the fly here. Be patient with us. They've already made a general manager, a head coaching change since the letter, which expresses the urgency that this team needs to go out there and win. They go to the conference final last year. All right. They load up at the deadline with Tarasenko and Kane. The expectations, regardless of where they finished in the standings and the fact that they finished behind the Devils and the Hurricanes, they still came into these playoffs with the expectations of making a run. We don't know if Tarasenko and Kane are going to come back. We don't know what their cap situation is going to be, other than it's it's not going to be good, and they're going to have to do a lot of work to keep Miller and Lafreniere and Kako and, and not keep them but pay them and then make sure there's money to be able to make a run at Tarasenko or Kane or their replacements. If only I there was think, a podcast that, that talked about this. When, when oh, this is what we have. Um, we knew this, though. I, we knew. I really. It's hard for me to sit here and tell you, Anthony, that if they say they lose the next two, mm-hmm. that Gallant is safe. I, I can't sad. say that. I can't say it. No, I, I don't think I you can say it. say it because, as you eloquently pointed out, Don, usually what has to happen is either a tear down or a firing. And I don't think you could say that Chris Drury's done a bad job putting this team together. Cop and Vetrano last year were two of the main reasons the Rangers made it as far as they did when guys like Zabanajad and Panarin weren't scoring in the Pittsburgh series. And Kane and Tarasenko have contributed to the two wins the Rangers have had while everybody else was absent in games three and four. Kane is the main reason they even scored in game four because his shot off of Schmid led to Trocek's rebound goal. But those guys may not be available to you. And you have your top six pretty much locked up and the kid well, line heedle's been extended you think that Loff and Kako are going to get extensions Miller needs an extension where is the improvement quote unquote in the roster going to come from 
Yeah, and uh, so if it's really two questions, is it will 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 they fire him? Should he be fired? I probably would err on the side of not being fired. I would say he sh- doesn't deserve to be fired. All right, but that doesn't mean he won't be. Because take a look at what happened with Tortorella. Now, obviously, different general manager, but same owner. When you look at what happened, they go. Uh, they they had success early with with Tortorella. They go to the conference final against the Devils in 2012, have an early exit in 2013, and he's gone because the feeling was, well, this guy is not leading us to the promised land. Could could Jim Dolan legitimately say, listen, we're built to win a cup. Galantz had a couple of kicks at the can here, didn't do it. Um, major step back from the year before. Uh, that see that's why I err on the side. It's only two years, and 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 you know things happen, right? I mean that's just the way it is. That, that Presidents Trophy winners sometimes lose in the first round, and you go back to that Ranger team that won the Cup in '94. The year before they missed the playoffs. After the year before that, winning the Presidents Trophy and losing in the second round. Like sometimes it happens. But if he stays, you could start talking about hot seat next year. I'd well, imagine. clearly. Well, I mean, clearly, you know, but but now who are you going to get? It was like now, now everybody's hot on Peter Laviolette because his teams seem to have immediate success, right? The Islanders went to three straight playoffs. Well, they never went to the playoffs when they had Laviolette. Um, Carolina won right away when he was there. You know, Philadelphia went to the Stanley Cup final right away when Laviolette was there. Uh, same thing with you know Nashville had had some success. Washington's had you know some success until recently, um, but. You know that's what you're going to be hot after. Would they be the team to, to to crack the code with Joel Quinville, who, by the way, by the way, I would not be shocked if Lambert is out with the Islanders if they end up falling in this series. That Lou would be the guy to go after Quinville. I don't think the Rangers would, but you know who you're replacing him with, and are you confident that that replacement is going to get the job done? It certainly worked after Tortorella was let go. AV jumps in that first year; they go to the Stanley Cup final. You know, so would Dolan look at that? Like it's an easy thing to change. Uh, but I, I give Gallant credit. Like you got to tell me, other than the result, which is big. What is he doing that's not working? It seems like every time he juggles a line, he did it in game four. Put Trocek on the top line, drops a bandage ad. Who scores the one goal? Trocek. He's done it all year. Like, he seems to have a knack now, but he seems to do it a lot. Is that a negative? Uh, um, what is it about Gallant's style that you don't like? What is it about his coaching that you say doesn't work? Or is it just, hey, we didn't win. Let's get the, let the coach go. So... I don't know. I'm not in Jim, Dol- Jim Dolan's head. I'll answer it this way. I don't think he deserves to be fired, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was. We don't fair? have to, fair. We don't have to ask this question right now because the series isn't over. Um, but you then have to look at the Rangers roster, Sands, Tarasenko, and Kane, and ask yourself next year if they do get eliminated in this series or next series for that matter, is this roster as currently constituted good enough to win a cup? Because you thought it was. And if it's not, what's missing? And don't tell me Ryan Reeves. Well, no, well, no, because they haven't been out physical. They, what they're doing is just listen. Their top players haven't been consistent outside of Kreider, but you know he's got five goals, so you're not going to kill him. Although I didn't think he was very present in Game Four. But what have you gotten from Panarin? What have you gotten from Zavanajad? What have you gotten from really anyone five on five? You know the game is played majority wise. You know even in these playoffs with so many penalties called five on five. You know, you just can't rely on the power play all the time to get you through. Let's be honest. The Rangers would have won those first two games 
Um, but if, if if it wasn't for the power play, that's the reason why they won five one. If the if the Rangers score on the power play in both of those games, they they won the series already. But that can't be the only way that you produce offense. There's got to be other ways with this talent that they can. They've got three legitimate scoring lines. They shouldn't have to just rely on their power play to produce offense or produce opportunities. I give the Devils tons of credit for what they've accomplished in the, in the last two games. But this Rangers team with this kind of talent shouldn't have 23 shots on goal and that's with three power plays i mean come on and this is not a this is not a great defensive team that they're playing what was the big knock on the devils well they don't play any defense they're wide open all they do is score you know they have not tested this young goaltender in my eyes and it just can't be all the time well score on the power play score well what are you doing five on five and outside of the, you know, you had the Kreider goal in game three, five on five, and the Trocheck goal. You know, one goal, five on five, is is not going to get it done. You know, and it's not like the Devils are killing it five on five either. But you should be better, and you're not. And if you're just a slightly better, that's why I'm not going to freak out. Just slightly better. In the last two games, they sweep this series. But unfortunately, it's 2-2, and we'll see what happens in the future. But... It's a long-winded answer to a very poignant question or pointed question: Is Galant in trouble? And again, I, I, I does he deserve it? No, but would he be, he'd be fired? I, I would not be surprised. AZ Ranger says, Don, as a Ranger fan, all we have is one cup in eighty-three years, and of course, pre '94, we heard nineteen forty nonstop. Why don't Jets and Knicks fans get the same treatment when their droughts have been just as long? I don't know what you mean about the fans' treatment. I don't think fans were chanting 1940. I wasn't around. Uh, no, but, uh, no, not, I'm trying uh, to... I'm, not, I'm, I'm, not I think Ranger his fans. angle is, why aren't the Rangers thrown into the mix of the Jets and Knicks of having won in forever? Probably, I mean, we don't talk as much hockey. I mean, we don't throw the Islanders in as readily as we do Jets. Yet they still Mets, have won more recently Knicks. than the two teams that you've mentioned. Right, 94, but 94 is a lot closer to, you know, 86 when the Mets won than, like, anything that's happened recently. Like, I think because they've been consistently good over the span of time. You know, they've they, they since 94, they went to the conference final in 97, conference final in 2012, Stanley Cup final in 14, conference final in 2015, conference final last year. I mean, they've made runs. They've been good. They, they are not... Um, I wouldn't say that they've been incompetent by any stretch. They've had really good players. They've hired decent coaches. And, you know, so it's kind of just circumstances to me. Like, the, I'm sorry, the Jets and Knicks, they were poorly run franchises that were, have been bad for a long time because for largely being incompetent. I, 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 and I'm not saying it because I work for MSG, but can you say that the Rangers' lack of cups in the last 20 years has been because they've been incompetent. Missing the playoffs seven straight years, sure. That was embarrassing. But coming out of the lockout, what, did they miss the playoffs, what, like three times in the last 20 years? Right? And one of them was the, the COVID year in 50, the, the, that one. I don't count them making the playoffs in 2020 because it was in the bubble and they wouldn't have made the playoffs that year if there was no pandemic. And then, of course, they missed uh, Quinn's first year, or, or, or AV's last year. But otherwise, the, the, the 2010 loss in the shootout to Philadelphia in Game 82, this team has been relevant. This team has been kicking at the can. So that's why I don't lump them in with the Jets and the Knicks. The Knicks, the Knicks have been to one. Uh, the Knicks have been uh, have not been to the conference final in 23 years. 
the Jets have missed the playoffs for ten can for twelve consecutive seasons. So have the Rangers, you know, one cup in eighty three years? Great point. But in the last twenty, the Rangers have been really, really good. And that's probably why they're exempt from that conversation. Steve said, where are the top six players? Where have they gone for the Rangers? They are nowhere to be found in the last two games. Do the Rangers tear it down if they blow another 2 nothing series lead? Well, what are you tearing down? Zibanejad under contract. Kreider's under contract. You've got young, good young defensemen. What are you tearing down? Other than the fact that Tarasenko and Kane are gone, just like Kopp and Vetrano were gone the year before, they'll, they'll retool. They're, Anthony, they're in no position to tear this down. I mean, look at movable contracts, Don. Uh, Lingren's is movable. Goudreau's is movable. That's not a teardown. No, they'll make estimation. changes. Well, listen, they'll tear it. When, when I hear tear down, I hear strip it down, start over, rebuild. I think there could be a lot of changes to the roster for sure. But it would um, be an interesting acrobatic as to how that what that is, though. Just based on looking at the cap situation. Um, I agree with you. I'd be curious to see what they would do. But again, it's not over yet. No, no. Let's say they they win the next two games by a combined 10-2. The conversation's going to be, oh, they just had a little bit of a hiccup at home. They'll be okay. But again, I know we've gotten to this in a very interesting way. But is anybody really shocked that it's 2-2? I mean, no, I it's thought just this how was going to be here. a long series. It's how we got there, and you can't forget how we got here. But we got here, but we're here at two-two, and and it's two it's two evenly matched teams. I think the Rangers will counterpunch. The Devils have been terrible at home. They had an eight-game losing streak at home earlier this season. So, um, I I, I, I uh, to say they're in good shape, it would be a little glass half full, but I think they're okay. And this was an okay podcast. I enjoyed it. Anthony, thank you for your contribution as always. Okay podcast. Well, I just was saying that they're okay. I was playing a little little play on words to the Rangers are okay. And we had, an, we had a fantastic podcast. Stop oh, well, it. thanks, Don. Stop yourself. Um, so enjoy the playoffs tonight. Now we're getting down to we fiddle with the schedule. So only two games tonight and uh, then three games tomorrow. And then we get back to Friday, possibly for uh, games depending on how things break down between uh, now and then but uh, enjoy it first round's always great we're getting to the bitter end how about this i mean the playoffs started last tuesday or last monday and it's wednesday so we're what like 10 11 days into the playoffs still nobody's been eliminated yet pretty cool right i mean there's some teams on life support down 3-1 like florida you know teams facing elimination for sure but these series have been fun there's been no sweeps everybody still has a, a, a legitimate shot we've seen 3-1 series fall we've had a ton of 2-2 series now 3-2 series so uh, i'm really looking forward to it i'll be on the pre and post tomorrow for rangers devils at the rock you want to get in touch with me at don lagreca hashtag game misconduct always waited to do that we'll talk to you again on friday this was the wednesday edition of game misconduct This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.